0: This is A Game of Codes on The Raw, Show's biggest sporting debate. It's the business end of the Rugby World Cup 2019. Jeffers? Yeah, a couple of enticing
1: semi-finals. One in particular, I can't wait for.
0: And we're going to preview them both with Brett McKay, rugby expert at theraw.com.au. How are you, mate? I'm good, guys. The first game, which many people are calling the grand final this World Cup. The winner of this will, of course, go into the final as favourites, England and New Zealand. How do you see it playing out, mate?
2: I don't necessarily see it as the final. I, I, I haven't heard That mentioned a few times in the last few days, and I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I think that's a little bit. I wouldn't like to be coming from the Wales and South Africa side of of the draw because I think once they if they can win through, they'll they'll give themselves every chance of winning. However, um, no doubt it's going to be it's going to be high pressure for both sides. I think there's a lot of expectation on both England and New Zealand as well. Um, Both would have reasonably strong. Uh, ambitions of taking out this World Cup, but obviously only one of them can. Um, I actually think they're reasonably well matched. These these two sides, England, as we as we know and as we saw last weekend against the against the Wallabies, have just got that that way of playing to- probably almost perfect tournament rugby. They just know what they've got to do to to grind out an opposition. Now, whether they can apply the same sort of pressure on New Zealand as what they apply successfully applied it to uh, to Australia last weekend. Probably remains to be seen, and will no doubt be the biggest test of uh, of their ambitions. So, um, but I, but I think they're they're just in a really good place at the moment, yeah. And, and I think the impact that we saw from George Ford coming off the bench late to just drill the Wallabies back into the corner for half an hour like he did last week um, just sets things up nicely if they can get a bit of a lead. But New Zealand are the best team in the world for a very very good reason, aren't they? And so, you know, I think. New Zealand have just sort of been doing what they need to do to get through. Now, I think that we really put the foot down this weekend.
1: I'm just glad that we're finally getting to see a bit more of these two teams play one another. Um, Because it's only their second meeting since 2015, and they've probably been the best two teams in world rugby over that stretch of time. Um, Of course, England lost that game after going 15-0 up um, in the first half hour, which... Not sure how much you can read into it. It was a pretty horrible, um, horrible night at Twickenham that that game was played in. But I think what it does show is that England will be up against a far more tactically flexible and astute team in New Zealand yeah. compared to what the Wallabies provided last week. Of um, course, in that. In that game last year, Steve Hansen pulled Sonny Bill Williams off after about half an hour, replaced him with Ryan Crotty. Um, Suddenly, New Zealand looked a hell of a lot better. Um, I think the kicking game in this one for both teams is going to be so important because neither like to play in their own half. They like to play in the opposition 22. Um, And, uh, you know, you touched on George Ford coming off the bench last week. Brett, his kicking game's wonderful. Owen Farrell was superb throughout. Um, While the All Blacks have guys like Richie Moanga and Bowden Barrett, um, you know, even Aaron Smith kicking all wonderful um, with the boots. So whoever gets that aspect of the game right is going to go a long way Mm. to winning this game. I think it's critical that England don't get it that they don't make any mistakes with their kicking game just because yep. Barrett Sevu Reese, George Bridge they're phenomenal returning the ball and if you if you provide them a, a platform to counter attack they are going to kill you just as we've seen them do to the Wallabies time and again
2: yeah i think i think the approach of the two teams then is going to be absolutely fascinating um, yes. you know England England are going to want to try and get it into that set-piece grind as much as they can. And I think they've probably got an edge, particularly at scrum time. Yeah, um, And so they'll, they'll want to try and make it a set-piece contest. At New Zealand, conversely, will be happy to try and play a more unstructured counter attacking type game. So if England if England are gonna try and kick for the corners, then as you say, New Zealand have got the ability to, to change their, you know, defensive back three alignment so they can just be back there waiting for those kicks and, and work out when to counter. So I think that's gonna be a fascinating, you know, little little subplot to see how both teams try and play each other out.
1: Yeah, I reckon England definitely have the edge at scrum time. New Zealand might be able to find a bit of a weakness at the line-out, though. In that game last year, um, England lost five of 15 line-outs on their own throw. Brodie Retallick was man of the match. Um, And New Zealand have only ever lost two games, far as I can tell, in which Retallick and Sam Whitelock have started together. They've started a lot of matches together as well.
0: With 30 seconds on the clock, Brett, give me player of the match, the winner and the margin.
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I think New Zealand win by... by a converted try, um, you know, seven or eight. um, And I think it's going to be, you know, someone like Brady Retallick is probably going to be your player of the match. So it's going to be a fascinating battle either way.
0: Jefferson, New Zealand by four with Richie Moonga, the man of the match. Absolutely can't wait for it. England versus New Zealand semi-final in the Rugby World Cup. This is a Game of Codes on the Raw show's biggest sporting debate. We're joined by Brett McKay, rugby expert at theraw.com.au. Let's jump into the second semi semi-final: Wales versus South Africa. How do you see this one playing out, mate?
2: it could be a battle of the sharpshooters, couldn't it? Like, it, like if it, if it becomes a bit of a, a penalty-a-thon, then both teams have shown an absolute willingness just to take three points at a time. And if they... This is the sort of game that could easily be a, you know, an 18-15 type game with, with one team kicking six penalties to the other team's five. So... You know Dan bigger bigger and uh, and Rhys Patchell for Wales uh, certainly for for, uh, for South Africa. Andre Pollard has been kicking exceptionally well throughout 2019. So both teams are going to need to be on top of their game from a discipline point of view as soon as they enter the opposition half. Not just the 22, because um, yes, we certainly know Pollard can kick, kick them from distance. We certainly know Patchell can kick them from distance, and they're all incredibly accurate. The three of them. So. I think this is going to be a fascinating game. Very like, different to England and South Africa. Very different in, in their approach. And and both teams, I think, will be trying to play a pretty strong breakdown, but pretty strong set-piece game as well. It's not going to be a game for, uh, for fans of, of centres and, and, and outside backs, I think, because I don't think they're going to see a lot of ball.
1: No, they won't. But geez, there are a few guys out there who can have a real, real impact yeah. when they do touch it. You know, I've harped on, waxed lyrical about him all tournament. Cheslin Colby, yeah, um, what a player he is to have his impact at his size. Um, at this level of the game is pretty remarkable. Um, But completely agree. This one looms as as a bit of a grind, really. I mean, South Africa showed against Japan how good their defence is. Um, My worry, if if I was Wales, would be, do they have enough points in them? And where they probably have a bit of an advantage where Japan didn't is that they have a real willingness um, to take three points whenever possible with guys like Bigger. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fair few drop goal attempts from him, Pollard, um, throughout the match whenever sure. that's possible. And, and one thing Japan, one area Japan really cost themselves last week against the Springboks, uh, whose defense was just incredible, but they, they conceded an early try. And so we're never able to um, apply scoreboard pressure. If Wales start well and it's a it's a tight game throughout, then their ability to keep that scoreboard ticking over may actually sure. put a bit of pressure on South Africa. Um, but if a similar thing happens and the Springboks get a bit of an early leg up, um, I think it's going to make things really difficult for Wales just because they're pretty beat up right now. Um, you know, Josh Navidi out for the tournament. You talk about the breakdown battle. Yeah. Um, he's a massive loss. and Yeah. And they're hurt in the backs as well. I mean, it, it says it, it is quite telling that they've opted to replace Navidi um, with Owen Lane, who's a winger, because you've got Jonathan Davies, who's out versus France, a late scratching there. Hadley Parks is playing with a broken hand right now, according to reports. Mm. So it, it, it's a tricky one for Wales. I want to touch on one more thing for the Springboks, their bench, particularly their forwards, is immense. They, yeah. Against Japan, they had Malcolm Marks, Stephen Kitschoff, Vincent Koch, uh, R.G. Snyman, Franco Mostert, and Francis Lowe coming off the bench. Most of those guys would start in any other test team, I reckon. So that's going to be a challenge for Wales.
2: Most of those guys have played, you know, a strong number of tests themselves. Yeah. You know, in in, in any other in any other country, they they would be absolutely starting games. So it's an incredible luxury that, that that South Africa can bring, especially someone like Malcolm Marks off the bench. It's yeah. just it, it's incredible, and, and I think there's a uh, there's a lot of One weight minute. to the argument now that South Africa have got the best forward back in the world.
1: Undoubtedly, it's certainly their front row. Um, You know, the depth across the top six players there is incredible. Um, And I think, you know, Wales don't have a particularly strong line out. Um, Given the strength of South Africa's uh, front row, I reckon they might enjoy a a pretty strong dominance at at set piece time.
2: Winner
0: margin, best player on the field,
2: Brett? Uh... South Africa by similar margin. I think I think Converted Try, um, and I reckon it, it becomes a, a shootout between Pollard and Bigger, so, so probably Pollard for me.
1: I reckon South Africa will run away with this at the end on the back of their bench, win by about 12. Um, I'm going to go with Fuff de Klerk as man of the match again. He's been fantastic all tournament at the base of the scrum for the box.
0: And can the winner beat the winner of the other semi? Absolutely. Yeah, well, the Springboks game, for sure. You've written the Wales off, though. Uh, they're not going to win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is A Game of Codes on the Raw, Show's biggest sporting debate. We're joined by Brett McKay, rugby expert at theraw.com.au. Thanks for coming on A Game of Codes, mate. No worries, guys. Thank you. On the Raw, Game of Codes, Australia's biggest sporting debate.